Lord. Ah, you know, it's, a, it's always wonderful when we can actually have uh, a few people and still have church. Have his presence here. I, I guess we owe Ivan a, a bit of thanks for picking that song. Because I tell you, you've heard me say it before how much hymns mean to me. And it almost seems like hymns are a forgotten, a lost art in the church. That everybody's so ready to, to cling on the next upbeat song or anything that sounds like something that they go play on the radio. And, and they're, they're losing a lot of the essence of what it means to actually praise God, what it means to hold on to God and be able to trust in God. I, and to hear that song, it is well within my soul. Yes says so much more than some of these songs that you hear today on KGLH. And we're thankful for KGLH for at least praying, playing something of semblance of praise to God. But man, to hear it as well within my soul. In spite of the circumstances. And, yeah, well, that's not what I came here to preach about today. <laughs> but it is something that we, we have this lost art of the hymns. Jazzy Jazz, it is good to see you this morning. You feeling okay? <laughs> and as, as we know, this is the first Sunday my wife was able to be here. As I guess our first Sunday together back in California again. Almost exactly three years to the date that we left to go to Texas and God saw fit in his plan to bring us back. Uh, even though we didn't understand it, I know I still question it from time to time, but I, when the last time someone asked me, was I glad to be in L.A., my typical response was always, no, I love Texas. And then it hit me one night that if God's plan is for me to be here, then I'm excited to see what God has in store. So the next, the next time somebody asked me, was I glad to be back, I said, yes. I'm excited, I'm glad to be back, and I'm excited because I'm looking forward to the move that God is going to make in my life. And I am going to stand on that. But as we get into the word this morning, I wanted to, to revisit, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago from when I was uh, came back and preached uh, prior to the actual move, uh, and that sermon which was titled, Where Are You?, uh, based in Genesis chapter 3 when God is looking for Adam after he and Eve had taken the fruit. And, and we, we were dealing with those issues and those questions of, of the church uh, and God looking for the church, looking for the Christian. And he's saying, where are you? And, and the thing that I wanted to tie in with that today is, and I didn't bring this point up two weeks ago, was the good part of God coming and, and looking for Adam is that he is indeed looking for us. While that, that distance that where it signifies that there's some distance between God and us and we and God, it, God is at least coming looking for his people. He, he had said it previously in, in the previous chapter, let us make God in our own image. There was a purpose and a meaning behind it. And when we have strayed from his way, he is coming to look for us. And, see, and so when we look about look at what we're going to talk about today as I titled the sermon, A Recipe for Failure, it, it is basically because God has created this whole thing. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. 
and he gave us specific directions on what we were supposed to do on how to live this life and how to live it abundantly and enjoy it. And, but somewhere along the line, we got off track and we continue to run off track. And even though God is coming back looking for us, when he's asking that question, where are you? We still find that we want to do it our own way. Uh, we want to, to have the recipe done the way we want it to be. Uh, you know, I, I thought about uh, when I saw this image of that, that young man spitting out the food and, and it came to me from years ago, that song by the Sugar Hill Gang, uh, Rapper's Delight. Uh, when, you know, as, a, as an old hip hop head myself, uh, that stood out because you get to that part when they say, have you ever been over to a friend's house? You don't want to actually rap it here, but you know, and the food, they just ain't no good. I uh, see we've all experienced that where you go someplace and people have told you time and time again, this person can burn, they can throw down in the kitchen and then you get in there and you taste this mess. Like, Lord, have mercy. This is not good. And we, we find that people who, who uh, think they're really good cooks, they have a recipe, but they like to go off and do their own thing. You know, we, I remember I... <laughs> I usually say really good things about my dad, but this one time in particular, he was, he was frying some chicken years ago. And I don't know where he got this idea. He took some, some green stuff that he wanted to put on the chicken because in his mind, whatever this was, I don't know if it was parsley or basil or oregano or something, it was some green leafy thing. He decided this was gonna be good on the chicken. And he fried this chicken up, and I remember everybody in the house sat up there was like, what is this? He's the only one that ate that chicken, but you know how it is. When you got an idea in your head and you think it's good, you're going to eat it even if it's bad. Just to prove to everybody else that they were wrong with what they did. Uh, but you know, Webster defines uh, a recipe as, as simply a set of instructions for preparing a particular dish. A set of instructions. Uh, it goes further, it says, something that is likely to lead to a particular outcome. And so the question that we have to ask as a Christian, you know, we know that being a Christian is not about preparing a dish, but being a Christian, we have a desire, a particular outcome that we're trying to get to. And the question we have to ask, what is that desired outcome for Christians? Eternal life. That is our desired outcome, salvation as a result of an eternal life. Uh, recipes are there for a purpose. They're there to help you get to a place from the uh, raw ingredients to a finished product. Uh, when I was about 13, 12 or 13, and I'm at school and we, we, the teacher passed out a test, and the very first question on the test said, well, the teacher's instruction after she passed out the test, we had to turn it upside down. And everybody at the same time, she told us to start. We turned it over and she said, the very first thing she said, read the instructions carefully. And question number one, the very first question on this 25 question test said, do not answer any question until you have read every question first. And as you're going through the test, and it was a crazy test because it wasn't normal. It was not asking you what was the, uh, how do you find the variable in an equation or anything about a scientific formula. Real simple questions. 
Question number two, probably said, when you get to number two, bark like a dog. Question number three, shout out, I'm happy, things of that nature. And you hear people going through the test, doing everything, racing furiously, trying to be the first one to get through. I got to this number, and this is such and such. And then you see some people stand up and wave their hands in the air, and you wonder why they did that until you get to the question 15, and you're standing up waving your hands in the air. But only one or two kids in the class weren't saying anything, and all of a sudden they were sitting there just with, uh, when the question number 25 said, when you got to the last question, uh, when you get to this place, turn your, put your pencil down, turn the test over. And there were two people in my class that had turned their test over, and the rest of us were going through waving hands and making all these stupid noises until we got to the last question and realized when you get to the end, turn the paper over. But we were doing our own thing. The direction said specifically, read every question first before answering. The teacher specifically told us, read all the, read, follow the instructions carefully. But we decided we were going to do our own thing. We're just doing it my way. And, and we think about the life of a Christian is that we often get off track because we fail to do God's way and choose ours. It, it, see, God has a plan, but his plan interferes with our preferences. See, my, my preferences and my comfort and what I want are more important than what God has laid out. So consequently, I do it my way. And we have preachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets and every other name that you can come up with one of these thieves or as my boy used to call them, these pulpit pimps trying to tell you everything that makes you feel good and they forget about the entire recipe. See, the point of a recipe is if, you, if you're going to follow the recipe, when you have the instructions, you have to read it first because if you don't read it first, you might not have all the ingredients needed for the dish. Then you have to realize, oh, wait a minute, I need sugar. Oh, I need salt. And, and like I was telling a friend of mine last night, it's if you bake a cake, the directions are very clear on baking a cake. Anybody who bakes a cake knows that you have to cream the butter and the sugar together before you do anything else. You can't add the flour in the beginning and throw the eggs in there and then think you're going to cream the butter. And if you did all that and put the batter in the oven, when it came out, it was not going to be cake. It's going to be something, but it ain't going to be a cake. And it's certainly, and even if it does look like a cake, it's not going to be a cake that anybody wants to eat. And we look at how life is. See, we're not creaming the butter and the sugar together first. We're not then adding the eggs one at a time and then sifting the flour and the baking powder and then adding it slowly into the rest of the batter. We're doing our own thing. And when we go to the oven and pull it out, this is not what the pastor said. He told me that I was going to have life and more abundantly. And this is some mess. But we didn't follow the recipe. And see, there are some recipes that you can kind of wing it and do your own thing. It, it doesn't matter. You just throw everything into a pot and yeah, I can add this a little bit later. I add a little bit more of that. But life ain't always a pot of gumbo. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And even with gumbo, you still got to follow the directions because if you don't make a root properly, that ain't gumbo. It's just some mess with some crab in it. <laughs> But here's 
a scripture that stood out to me. The gospel of Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Something that you will hear a lot of the prosperity preachers talking about. You'll hear some of the other apostles and the prophets that stand up. Uh, they will call this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. But we have a lot of people that will tell you their story is, I've been asking, I've been seeking, I've been knocking, and God is not answering. I've been seeking for a new place to live. I've been seeking for a spouse. I've been seeking to get a better job. I'm knocking on the door. I'm, I'm asking, I'm, I'm, why isn't God not providing me with all these things? I, I'm still single. I'm still unemployed. I'm still living with mom and dad or whoever it is that they're living with. But God is not answering. I, I, I was telling, a, I, I, if you guys don't remember, but uh, when... When we started R2D, uh, Pastor Kelvin and Emmanuel Praise and a few of other pastors we know, we have a Saturday night uh, call. And we've been faithfully on this call now for years. Every Saturday night uh, was 8.30 Pacific time. You know, I was staying up late sometimes in Texas to be on the call. But we pray for each other and encourage each other. And I just lost my point. What did I say before the call? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was before. It was, about, it was something. Else. Oh, we, we were talking of just how, I, how these, these preachers, they get up and people will tell you they're such good preachers and they're good pastors because they, they have a hoop. You know, they, they, they haven't been giving you anything the whole time they've been talking, but when they get to the celebration, as we call it, they start the hooping and the hollering, and they'll be quoting Matthew chapter 7. Then you go, you got to knock and God will answer. But nobody ever takes the time to read through the entire recipe. Let's see, what they, there was an acronym somebody came up with for the Bible. It said basic instructions before leaving earth. All right, B-I-B-L-E. Basic instruction before leaving earth. This is the recipe that God gave us. And instead of reading it in its entirety to understand everything that goes into what making this life great, we want to pick and choose, and these prophets and apostles give us these bits and pieces of the Bible that are supposed to sound good, because it does sound good to know that you serve God, that all you got to do is ask, seek, and knock. As if there's nothing else required of us, or that God doesn't want anything else from us. But, see, this was just in Matthew chapter 7. But if you go back one chapter, as is uh, one of the things I always liked about Bishop uh, Kirkland, who always tell you, that when you read a scripture, you read before and you read after and you read the entire chapter and then you read the chapter before and you read the chapter after. So you understand the entire context of what's going on. And, and what do we see if we go on to uh, to uh, the, the read the previous chapter? Uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them how to pray. Right? We, we call this the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. And he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Now see, everybody else is going to tell you, whatever you need, you just ask, seek, and knock. But God is telling us, well, before you get to this ask, seeking, and knocking, first you got to pray. He says, so, but when you pray, in this manner, you pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed, or as my friend used to say, hallowed 
be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, what does that mean for me as a believer if I got a desire for something, but God is saying, my will be done? I mean, if I, if I kid it, keep it completely real, my desire was to continue to live in Texas. That was my desire. That was my preference. But if I am going to follow God's word before I can sit around here, ask, seeking and knocking, God send me back to Texas. Why don't leave me? Don't make me leave Texas. He said, pray this way. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not Ron's will. As on earth, where you live, as it is where God is. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I'm gluten free. I can't eat bread. I mean, that's not me. I know some people, I eat bread all the time. But you see, if people are looking at this, this is not what I want, God. You are giving me something that I don't want. This is what I desire. God's plan versus my preference. And then we wonder why the recipe is jacked up. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me of my sins, God, as I forgive people who have wronged me. Forgive me for the things that I've said as I forgive those who said things against me. Forgive me of my bad behavior as I forgive those who were behaving badly towards me. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. Amen. 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 But how does that, that jive with the, the narrative that all you got to do is ask, seek, and knock? You see, ask, seek, and knock. And he, when he gets in that, and when he's telling the people this in that praise par, uh, paragraph, and you go down a little bit further, I didn't put it up here on the screen, he's saying, how much of you, if your child asks you for fish, would you give him a serpent? And, it's, and the, the, the idea that we don't understand is that we ask God for serpents. See, we think we're asking for fish, but the things that we're asking for are not what God desires for us. And see, if we got what we wanted, you would inadvertently end up with the serpent. And God is trying to give you fish. And see, for me, I could desire to stay in Texas all I want. But that may not be what God, well, it's clearly not what God has in store for me, but it is not going to be for my good to stay in Texas if God wants me here. It seems like that's a fish, but in the end, it would end up being a serpent because God has given me the fish here in Gardena. But we have these pastors, they're telling you this stuff. And, and here we go to another popular Bible verse in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 28, verse 3 through 4. Fred Hammond wrote a whole song about you be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the fields. Be blessed when you come and when you leave. And the word says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Boy, that's a good word. To sit there and read that and God is saying, you're going to be blessed wherever you go. Wherever your foot sets on ground, you're going to be blessed. And that's a good story to hear. That's good news to know that whatever I touch is turning into gold. Everything I do is going to be honored by God. 
Whatever I work, whatever I have at home, wherever I go, when I come and go, I am going to be blessed. Go to verse 1 and 2 of the same chapter. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey, because, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then you will be blessed in the city. Then you will be blessed in the field. But it starts, as he says, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. See, the problem is I don't want to diligently obey God. God is going to ask me to do some crazy stuff, and I ain't cool with that. You're going to ask me to give up my money. I can't give you my money, God. I don't work too hard for this. What do you mean I gotta love this person? I gotta pray for them. No, man. Do you realize do you were you did you hear what he said to me? <laughs> but I wanna be blessed in the field. I wanna be blessed in the city. I want the work of my hands to be blessed, but it can't be blessed because I don't want to diligently obey the voice of God. It's a recipe for failure. We've already gone to adding the flour and the eggs. We haven't even creamed the butter and the sugar together. <laughs> Then we go a couple of verses down. Still chapter 28. Chapter 28, verse 15 and 16. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And here's the, I don't, before you get blessed, there are some things you got to do. You got to follow my words diligently. And if you do this, you will be blessed wherever you go and whatever you do. But... See, that, that, that conjunction, we talked about that conjunction, joins two ideas, a sentence, one idea, here's a second idea. But, which means it got nothing will happen if this doesn't take place. Or if this takes place, none of that happens. And so, you diligently seek his voice and obey his commands. I will bless you. But, it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses which will come upon you and overtake you, cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country, and everything that he blessed us with now is going to be cursed. Cursed will be your hands, cursed will be your fields, cursed will be this and everything else that comes with it, because we are doing this thing ourselves. We are following our own recipe and not the recipe of God. So here we had Deuteronomy chapter 8. Got a nice little page there. And we take out that middle section. Because apostle so-and-so said, I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. But didn't tell me that first, before I can be blessed, I got to obey him. And if I choose not to obey him, there's going to be a problem with that. And then we have people who are calling themselves, well, I'm praying and, and I've asked and I've been seeking and I've been knocking and nothing's happening to me. I'm still in the same state I was 10 years ago. Why is my life still the same? Uh, well, first of all, let's take the recipe and go back to the beginning. Are you heeding diligently the voice of the God? And if you are not doing step one, then the rest of it just ain't going to work. Now, Deuteronomy 15, verse 6, another one. Here you get to the hoop again. 
For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. How many times have you heard that? You shall be a lender and not a borrower. You will be the head and not the tail. See that? All oh, that sounds good when I can sit here and preach and I ain't said nothing, but I can get to that hoop and talk about the God died on the cross and Jesus bled and died and he promised you will be the head and not the tail. You will be a lender and not a borrower. I'm telling you now because God has spoke to me. And you're walking out of here feeling good because you got this heard apostles say, I'm going to be the head and not the tail. And then you get there tomorrow and somebody is whooping you. Showing you exactly you to tell. <clears throat> but Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 6, right? Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. If there are any among you a poor man of your brethren within any gates in your land, in your land, in your city, in your county, in your state, in the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Come on. Wait a minute. I'm going to be a lender and not a borrower. And then another scripture, and I think in 28, he says, I'm going to be the head and not the tail. But when I read this further, he says that I have to give, that I can't harden my heart. That anybody who's living in the land he's given me, I mean, if we put that in real context, we live in the county of Los Angeles. Wherever it is you live, whether you own it or rent it, God has blessed you with that. And when you live, he says, if there are poor among you, any of your brethren, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. We talked about this two weeks ago when you're driving here down Redondo Beach Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. All our poor brothers and sisters out there on the street. But yet we maintain the reason why we can't have uh, Islamic people here is because this is a Judeo-Christian nation. We're a Christian nation, but yet we have no Christian values. We care nothing for the poor. We care nothing for anybody that is not doing what it is we expect. Anybody who looks different from us, we have an issue with. Anybody who acts different from us, we have an issue with. Because somebody lives a different way from the way we, we got a problem with that. And then we sit here and wonder, why am I constantly being beat down upon? Because God already told you. You ask, seek, and knock. But before you do this, you got to pray this way. And after you've prayed this way, you got to follow my words directly, diligently. Because if you do it, I'm going to bless you in the fields. But if you don't, you're going to receive a curse. The same way I was going to bless you, I'm going to curse you. But here he gives, tells us uh, previously that I'm going to be a lender. I'm going to reign over things. I'm going to be the big man in charge. And we used to say the HNIC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him. He didn't just say don't shut your hand. He goes further. You shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend to him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. But what if our focus has been as a body? I got a dude who's a pastor of a church that will justify 
why a pastor needs a Bentley to go to back and forth to church. He will justify why a preacher should have a house in the hills of Malibu and the other one should have a private jet to fly around the world. But he can't say anything about what we're supposed to do for our brothers on the street. You shall open your hand wide to him. If I am opening my hand wide to my brothers, that does not leave room for a Malibu mansion. Doesn't leave room for a Bentley or a jet. That just means I got to fly commercial if I got to go someplace. And when I fly, the only way I'm getting first class is if I get upgraded. Because you got to fly commercial and you got to fly coach. But that ain't good enough for the apostle. Pastor Ron, I, don't know, I can't be bothered with these ordinary people in this plane. Anybody see that video on YouTube where you actually got two preachers, uh, world famous televangelists, discussing why they need to have private jets? Because they can't be bothered with these people. They have to focus on God's work and they can't be distracted by God's work. <laughs> see? God's creation is here, and we're here to help me. You're not supposed to close your hand, but you got to open it wide and give them whatever they need. And so when he's telling me this, but I'm getting ready to go do God's work over in Ghana, so I can't be praying for you and your cancer. I can't be praying for you being evicted from your house because you distracted me from the bigger picture. The recipe is wrong. It's a recipe for failure. We're sitting here wondering... <laughs> Why is my life this way? It just, it, it just blows my mind that we will, we will forget to read. Nobody, there was a time when I, I remember reading the Bible and realized over the years, it had been years had gone by since I had read it cover to cover because I had done it before as a young man and years had gone by. And why have I not read God's word? If I want God to speak to me, if I want my cake to be cake, if uh, my dad just, what was that, a prime rib that you did? If I want this prime rib to be a good prime rib, I got to follow the directions to make sure it is done right. Otherwise, you get a tough piece of meat that nobody's going to eat. We've had the nasty cakes. You get a, somebody make a pound cake and you lift this thing up and it feels like it's 10 pounds because they didn't sift the flour. Because the directions said sift the flour, but they just took three cups of flour and threw it in there. We have to follow the recipe. Anything short of following the recipe is a recipe for failure. Uh, when I was a young boy, I think I was going to Calvary Christian School. And we learned, I learned a lot of songs at that school and it's very obvious that those songs obviously made an impact in my life because most of the time I remember every last one of those songs. But this scripture was one of the songs we had to, we, we sang. And it was, uh, uh, how'd it go? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I remember singing that song and I actually was singing it last night to myself because ultimately when we talk about a recipe for God or a recipe for this life, 
That scripture sums it up perfectly before anything else. Before I ask God for anything that I want, that I need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as Matthew 6, 33, then all these things will be added unto me. And the thing this scripture is implying that when you seek God and his righteousness first and you're chasing after him, your heart will become aligned with the heart of God. And the desires of your heart will be the desires that God has for your life. And what you thought you needed, you won't be looking at because you will accept what God is giving you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the lovingness of God, that when we see people who walk against us or go against us, we will forgive them. When we see people who don't, we feel don't deserve to be loved, we will love them anyway because we will seek ye first his kingdom and our heart will be aligned with his. And I, we were talking about this. See, this problem with the recipe is a, a recipe is too confined. I want it my way. Because if I do it my way, I'm going to have to pick the future I desire. That this morning I was thinking about that and I remember Jeremiah 29, 11. See, we, all, we, we keep thinking about all these things that we want. All these things we desire. And he said, for I know the thoughts I have that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. The problem for us is that the future that we want is different from the future God has for us. And we get off track because we start doing it my way. We forget we don't want to follow God's recipe. Our plan is what we want to do. And God says, I know the plan. Yeah. You think you're going to live the rest of your life in Texas, Ron Thomas, but I got a plan for you, and that plan does not include Texas. Yeah. But if you are obedient to me, I will give you a future and a hope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Huh. So when people ask me, are you glad to be back in L.A.? You better believe I'm glad to be back in L.A. <laughs> You better believe I've run from Texas. I ain't looking back until he sends me back to Texas. But if he sends me to Canada, I'm running to Canada just as eagerly as before. Because I'm going to follow the recipe that God has given me and not deal with the recipe for failure. Try to do it on my own because doing it on my own is only going to give me disaster. It is only going to result in failure because God's way is the only way. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you. We give your name glory and honor for being the God that you are. We love you, God, that even though we try to be hard-headed and do things our way, you still find that we are worthy. You still extend enough grace to us that we can come to you and you will accept us, blemish and all. We ask, God, that while we want to pick out bits and pieces of your word, we know that you have given us a complete recipe of what to follow. So we ask, God, that you will put in our hearts to read your word in completion, not just take the word of apostle so-and-so and prophet this or pastor that, but we will take the word from you, God. We will follow your basic instructions, your recipe for life, that we know we have to love each other, that we have to give, we have to be generous, we have to take care of each other because that is why we are here. Yes, yes. 
that is what you expect of us. We love you, God, and we ask that you continue to bless us. Help us to become better. Strengthen our hearts. That we will be the people of God that you would have us to be. For it is in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. Amen.